Welcome back, everyone. This is the Prepared Mindset Podcast. As always, this is your host, Austin, and got another great episode coming at you guys this week. Uh, joined by Trey, we're going to get into a bunch of, I mean, interesting stuff. Seriously, uh, some things that uh, I'm co- a complete uh, novice, uh, you know, th- talking about the environment and uh, you know, getting into homesteading and things like that. Cause it's just, it's something people really want to talk about. It's something that comes up in a lot of discussions when you talk about, uh, you know, personal sustainability, uh, plans for your family. You know, a lot of people talk about moving to more remote areas. Uh, you know, I just had this discussion the other day with a friend and I feel like when you get into those discussions, there always ends up being, you know, considerations and pieces of that where I'm just going to buy a bunch of land and, and build a house or a cabin or whatever, or I'm buy a bunch, I'm going to buy land and build a second home or a cabin, something like that. And there's, there are other considerations, environmental factors and things like that, that need to be, you know, considered and evaluated when, when you're doing things like that. So, uh, obviously when you start getting into those environmentally based discussions and things like that, talk about homesteading, talking about living, I guess, to an extent, you know, maybe you could say off the grid or, um, semi off the grid, right? There is, just a whole bunch there, right? And it's not anything that I'm uh, very knowledgeable on. So luckily Trey is, and we get into all kinds of good stuff. Um, you know, additionally, right today, uh, at the time of this recording anyways, Tuesday, uh, you know, June 6th, it's the 79th anniversary of D-Day. Um, you know, which, uh, to, to borrow from the quote, a day that will live in infamy. Um, I, I highly encourage if you guys have access to, you know, HBO Max, or I guess it's just Max now, but, um, you know, one of my, uh, Josh, right, my co-host here for the pod, he, he every year rewatches episode two of Band of Brothers um, on, on June 6th, uh, so maybe something that, you know, would be kind of cool to, to just, and I get a TV show, but certainly something when you look back at that great generation and the things that those great men did and sacrificed their lives for, and then you look at fast forward almost 80 years forward to today where we're at as a country and as a society it's it's really sad honestly you know um and it puts a lot of things in perspective and um maybe you find it sobering and 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 maybe you find it inspirational you know but but it would be cool i think to to take a look at that um you know in more recent news obviously uh we've officially passed the ATF mandated deadline for the pistol brace rule. There's been some victories there, right? Um, I think, uh, you know, firearms policy coalition, I think is the group that any of their members prior to the deadline, they're all protected as plaintiffs in the ruling or the case or whatever have you, that's still ongoing. Um, you know, anybody else, I guess, technically is a felon. I've, I've heard a lot of mixed things. I've heard you have to keep proof that you submitted for your tax stamp, uh, with you if you're driving around and transporting your AR pistol. Um, otherwise, you could potentially run into some issues, which I don't know how true that is because local law enforcement uh, and, and local gun ranges and things have absolutely no way to verify uh, the legitimacy of a tax stamp, let alone the paperwork indicating that you applied for one. Um, so still a lot going on up in the air with that. Um, there's just no, no way of knowing when we're going to see a full resolution. I, I think uh, best case scenario, right, would be that we kind of see SBRs and uh, short barrel shotguns, right, short barrel rifles kind of stripped out of the NFA altogether, um, and this becomes a non-issue. Uh, but I think 
obviously there's more to come and we just have to wait and see how this plays out in court. Hopefully, right, there continues to be this streak of pro 2A wins, some even tying what we're talking to today with an EPA case that indirectly limits the power of government agencies to unilaterally make decisions and rulings that impact citizens. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see, unfortunately. Um, you know, additionally, also had the opportunity to, to take a visit down south, uh, visit Texas for the first time, uh, flew down and visit uh, visit some family in Houston last week. And man, you know, honestly, I've never been someplace from like, yeah, I could see myself living here long term. You know, like I love going to Vegas, but I know I could never live there. Um, I love Texas, man. You know, I uh, got some awesome food. Uh, my first experience with the Bucky's. So those of you guys that are down south, you know, you know what a Bucky's is. Uh, I'm supremely jealous. I uh, love that place. It's such a such a cool experience. And then obviously, really, really good to connect with family that we haven't seen in a while. And uh, and always just, you know, great to unplug and, and take some time away from everything and just and relax, you know, and enjoy the trip. So that was really cool. But at any rate, looking forward to this discussion with Trey, like I said, it's something I think a lot of people talk about, a lot of people ask about um, or want to know more about. So obviously it's, you know, we connected with Trey and was able to get him to come on and uh, we're gonna have a pretty awesome discussion about this stuff. Um, before we get over to obviously, right, this week's episode, um, I have to say thank you to our partners, our sponsors that help make everything that we do here at the Prepared Mindset possible. And first and foremost, I do need to say thank you to our patrons, our Patreon supporters. Guys, we have a Patreon page. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash prepared underscore mindset underscore pod. For as little as $3, you can support what we're doing. We have tiers for $3, $5, $10, right? Gets you all kinds of access to exclusive episodes, exclusive videos. We have drills and, you know, our own, our own targets and things up there. I just made our cold start target public. I'm hoping to see, you know, you guys taking a crack at that and posting up uh, your results with our cold start and, and seeing what your luck looks like. Have some dry fire drills. We've got blog posts, all kinds of good stuff. You know, uh, at the end of last year, we were able to hook up all of our patrons with a free gift from our friends over at 100 Concepts. So it's a it's a really cool way for you guys to, you know, support us and what we're doing here at Prepared Mindset and also get access to uh, some additional information and some things that are a little bit, you know, off the beaten path for us. You know, Trevor and I just launched an exclusive episode series on there on bourbon and bullets um, that is going to be, you know, like I said, exclusive to the Patreon. So uh, you know, head on over, check it out, see what uh, see what's going on, and consider you know supporting what we do here with Prepared Mindset. But also, of course, thank you to our friends over at Midwest Gunworks. Guys, head on over to MidwestGunworks.com if you're looking for you know you need a replacement part, you need to upgrade something. Uh, they have all kinds of great options at MidwestGunworks.com. You can use discount code Prepared Mindset to save five percent off your order. I personally just went and ordered a B5 Systems Bravo stock uh, in in Coyote Brown from the team over at Midwest. They have all kinds of parts, right? Barrels, uppers, lowers, bolt carrier groups, obviously stocks and furniture, things like that. So whether you're looking to complete a build, maybe you bought something off the rack and now you're just over time, you're kind of adding some pieces here and there to, to kind of bolster that setup. Maybe you bought it during uh, all the fun happening back in 2020 and now you're uh, looking to maybe get a little more serious about it. Again, MidwestGunWorks.com, discount code PREPAREDMINDSET to save 5% off. Jeez. Uh, go head over and uh, pick up a sling, magazines, lights, optics. They got whatever you guys need. 
thank you as well to the team over at 100 concepts guys 100 concepts motto is do good be dangerous and live free outstandingly awesome company we had jonah on a couple weeks ago uh jonah garrett and pierce the whole team they're doing outstanding work right if you you know haven't seen it yet their scope caps and their light caps are tip top i run them on my rifles uh all of my buddies here yeah prepared mindset we all we all run them we love the light caps super affordable very innovative in my opinion design that solves for a problem that we all have if you're running a white light and you should be running a white light. They just recently got picked up and are now even out on sites like Big Techs and T-Rex Arms. These guys are making huge advances and we are so thrilled that we get to call them our partners. And guys, you really need to go check out what they're doing. Again, head over over to 100concepts.com. Check out the light caps, pack and helmet scrims, their new hex caps. They're always working on something new. So now they roll out the hex caps for your red dot sites. They've got, you know, at least a handful of new designs in the work, uh, in the works, I'm sorry, on top of what they already have out there. Head on over to 100concepts.com and check it out for yourself. Thank you as well to LARP Labs. You guys, painting your rifle is awesome, but I know a lot of us are very apprehensive about it. Uh, I personally am afraid I'm going to screw something up when I paint mine. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to look to my friends who have done theirs already. And a lot of people say, well, it's not that big of a deal. You know, you'll be fine. But that doesn't, that's not enough for a lot of us, especially when you're talking about your lights and your lasers and good God, your night vision. I would never trust myself with a spray can around night vision. That's where LARP Labs comes in. You guys, they have computer cut vinyls that you can wrap your pvs 14 you can wrap your d-ball in your weapon lights all kinds of great options and you guys head on over to larplabs.com set you up with discount code prepared mindset to save 10 percent off your order so whether you're running an eotech an aimpoint a hollow sun a vortex optic even sig john and his team have all kinds of great patterns and colors to fit your need for your gear setup whatever it may be. Guys, this is really good stuff. All right, it's made, it's 3M durable vinyl. This is used on, you know, outdoor rock crawlers. It's it's built to take a, uh, you know, a total beating. It's got a three-year outdoor shelf life, so a little rain's not going to hurt it. A little cold, a little heat, it's not going to hurt it. It's not going to peel and fall off. Again, head to larplabs.com, check out the catalog, see what they got cooking, and pick some stuff up for yourself. Last, but certainly not least, have to say thank you to Active Carry. Guys, head to ActiveCarryTech.com. Make sure you're picking up the necessary components, right? Tourniquets, gauze, chest seals. Have medical on your kit. Having eight magazines is great, but if you don't have any medical with you to patch up a hole when you get shot in the ass uh, or so you shoot somebody else, right, and you have a responsibility to render aid, it does you no good. All right, check out their Blazer IFAC, their Bolt IFAC. They have their duty tactical kit out and it's available. If you're out and about with your dog in the woods, running trails, things like that, they have canine kits. We never know what life's going to throw at us. Be well prepared for it. Head on over to activecarrytech.com. You can use discount code PMP10 to save yourself 10% off when you go to pick up some new kits, some new components full of American made parts. All right, you guys. Great stuff over there at Active Carry Tech. So, like I was saying, uh, the topic of discussion for for this week's episode, um, I don't even know really what to call it, or even you can really sum it up. But 
you know, Trey and I get into a whole bunch. And uh, honestly, I think it's going to be a, a big learning experience for myself. Um, and I think you guys are going to learn a whole heck of a lot too. So uh, without getting too much, uh, too much deeper into what we got going on, I'm just going to cut it off right there and jump on over to the discussion with Trey. Let's go. Trey, welcome to the pod, man. How's it going? Good, good. I'm happy to have you here, brother. Uh, I, I know there's a whole lot. Uh, you know, we were chatting a little bit before we we got online here to record, and uh, there's a whole lot to uh, to unpack and get into. Uh, you know, in this discussion, uh, you know, I think with I think the term I like people like to romance the concept of uh, you know like bugging out and uh, living off the grid and everything, and um, I don't know that when people say that if they really realize what's going on or the implications of something like that so having someone like you um that that can kind of speak to that subject i'm interested for this discussion as well as excited because i i'll be honest i'm completely ignorant of most of it you know like we were saying earlier like i I did landscaping um like very basic landscaping (laughs) for like five years um which has led to me uh kind of hating landscaping and gardening so uh it's really not my wheelhouse man i'll be honest with you yeah, no, I understand. So you want me to all kind of get into like who I am and what I do? Um, I'm probably one of the more random people that you've had on this podcast and more random person in kind of the tactical gun homestead sphere in the sense that uh, I don't really have a huge social media following. Part of that is because I actually worked jobs for years where I could not have social media. Um, FYI, don't ever go work for the federal government. Um, but I also just didn't really care much about posting about a lot of my life. Um, but I have in the last three years, especially since COVID broke out because Mm -hmm. I started realizing that what was super nerdy for me, which was gardening and guns and disaster relief and working on cars and preparedness and woodworking and all this stuff, all of a sudden became really in vogue, um, became kind of the cool thing that the cool kids did. Um, the, the emphasis being on gardening and horticulture, that's my background. So I, I don't, my, all my degrees are actually business degrees, but I do have some certifications in horticulture trained underneath the horticulturist for years and where have worked in the industry on and off for about 17 years now. Um, I currently run my own, I, I call it private gardener for hire. It's really hard to describe what I do. Because some days I'm helping a little old lady plant shrubs. Other days I'm helping a dude figure out how he's going to start like his master homestead plan. Um, So it's a little bit of everything. But a lot of what I do is kind of private gardener for hire. So I help folks get a garden, small farm, uh, estate, Airbnb, wedding venue, large piece of property up and going. Whether it be with, you know, gardens and berry bushes and fruit trees and chickens. Or if it's just, hey, my landscape looks like crap and I want to make it look better. Um, it's just kind of something new every day, but really have enjoyed working for myself and I've started sharing more about kind of what I do and why I do it. And then I, I throw in, uh, I throw in some, some guns and some tactical preparedness stuff in there from time to time, you know, everybody's favorite word tactical. We attach it to everything. Uh, yeah. It gets sorely overused, but yeah, I just, I kind of enjoy that lifestyle and have lived some real life examples, even just recently of, of where that's useful and wanted to come on here and talk about, Hey, some of this stuff is romanticized, but also some of it's really easy and a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, uh, so I guess with one of the things you mentioned there, um, 
like helping to plan uh, or coordinate people who want to get out and start homesteading. Um, I don't want to use it. Like, I hate using the term get off the grid because everyone goes straight to tinfoil hats and like, you know, anti-government, uh, which is cool. Like I'm not, you know, if that's how you want to live, n- no problems. But um, <clears throat> when it, would you say that in the last couple of years, you've seen like an uptick in that after us kind of experiencing nationwide, like how crazy people can get when you're in, you know, like, tight groups, uh, densely populated areas, people start to like kind of take a second look and go, Hey, maybe we need to move a little bit further out. Maybe we need to change how we're, we're living a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the rise of, and hear me out, I'm an urban homesteader. So I've got about half an acre in the middle of a city. Um, in fact, if I wasn't inside my house, you'd probably hear a major interstate nearby. So it's, uh, you know, urban and, Urban, suburban, and then rural homesteading are big. And I think I think what a lot of people realized when COVID broke out was it wasn't just like the state of the world and the turmoil and all that kind of stuff. A lot of the conversations I had, because I was working at a garden center, actually one of the, lar- the largest in my state. So just FYI, I'm from Little Rock, Arkansas, which is the capital of our state. And I, yeah, the state that nobody knows exists. <laughs> um, but we... Uh, you know, one of the things I heard at the nursery on a day-to-day basis was I actually, you know, from people, they'd say, I have no hobbies. I don't have anything to do with my free time. I think COVID made people realize like Netflix is not a hobby and it's, it's boring and it doesn't keep you in shape and it doesn't give you anything back and it doesn't fulfill, especially for men, like that need to like, you know, go, uh, go claim the earth and till it and, and make, you know, make it, uh, make it your own. And so, and two, I saw a lot of folks as their kids were home, they wanted to teach their kids about the environment and about why plants are important and about why we should be responsible stewards of the environment. Um, and, and that was really cool. And so I just, I kind of latched onto that. And shortly after, it's funny, while COVID created all that, COVID also showed me I'm not made to work with the general public. Um, I got sick of, no, we're not going to get into this, but I, I got tired of a lot of the COVID policies. And while my workplace was, was really cool about a lot of it. Um, I realized that working with the general public while they were going through a lot of stuff that they need to be go talk, yeah. going and talking to a therapist about was not fun. So that's oh, why dude, I, broke I, off of- I, I used to, I come, I work in finance. So I used Ooh. to work in like branch banking and, you know, luckily got away from it from COVID, but I have friends that obviously didn't. And like, do, yeah, no general public was bad enough pre pre all that. I can't even imagine like a day to day, like just the, you know, you can, you can only imagine, right? Like the stuff you see people online doing at Walmart, like they, you know, make themselves a suit out of garbage bags and stuff like a makeshift hazmat, you know, and just like the goofy stuff people had to say, like, I wouldn't be able to deal with it personally. So I can only, I can only imagine what you went through. My, my favorite, cause again, keep in mind, I work outside and I'm not yeah. going to tout myself because I still love Mountain Dew, but like, I am a pretty healthy person. I live an active lifestyle. Um, don't have a lot of underlying health conditions. And so I was, uh, I, I wasn't worried about it. And most of the people I worked with were very similar to me. Um, still to this day, the funniest thing, cause we were always trying to see like, what was the funniest thing we were going to see through COVID? Um, the funniest thing I saw was a takeout, takeout napkin taped over a lady's face. That is still nothing takes the cake quite like that. That's what they used as a mask was just like a Wendy's napkin with some tape. Oh Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I just, know. that was kind of when I was like, you know, I think I'm done. I'm over this. <laughs> <I'm done. laughs> We're outside around plants. 
um, you know, I, I, I think this just this is not my jam. And it, so I went so off and demo. When things. you when you saw that lady, did you have to help her? Like thankfully I I did not, but here's here's what's interesting. So like, and again, you keep I, a straight I, face, you know, that's just <laughs> Oh yeah. And, and again, I, I know based on your podcast, kind of where you lean politically, you and I are pretty aligned on a lot of stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I, um, most of my customer base, about 80% of it was to the left of, of my political leanings, which is really interesting. And so I got to interact with a lot of people that did not agree with me and, and it was good. I mean, overall, I worked in sales all my life. I've worked in politics and government to some extent all my life. So I know how to be amicable and cordial and kind. Um, that said, boy, after a year and a half of that, I kind of kind of hit my breaking point. I was like, yeah, I'm done with this. This is not fun yeah. anymore. So with, so, so with the, like with what you're doing and everything that we kind of ran into and people that want to get to, they they want to get to that. I, I think maybe everyone has like the idea, right? They have the, like that image in their brain of like, I don't know, I'm going to, I'm going to be self-sustaining and it starts, it, it starts in a different place for all of us. Right. Do you think that that was enough? Do you think that like what we went through in 2020 was enough that we have seen a societal shift away from, you know, like our, our reliance on, Grocery stores, like a hundred percent reliance. Cause I know a lot of people are not down with gardening. They're not down with growing their own food. It's not, it's just, it's not something that unless you're a retiree, I feel like that's the perception, at least here, you know, I'm in Michigan. Um, so we can't really grow stuff year round cause it gets, you know, frigid fucking cold, uh, for about mm, five years or five months <laughs> out of the year. And, uh, but do you think that we saw like a turn to where people were starting to look at this and go, all right, how can I, be more self-sustaining because I'll tell you, man, I remember, I remember the day I got sent home from work. Hey, two weeks, go home, work from home. We'll, we'll see you guys in two weeks. And, uh, on the way home, we stopped at a, at a mire, you know, and people's carts just piled full of food, not the stuff that you need, mind you, like the canned uh, vegetables and shit were completely untouched. But I mean, like you mentioned, you know, Mountain Dew, people taking cases of Mountain Dew and all the bacon and Oreos and the dino nuggets, like all the, you know, all the crap uh, <laughs> and nothing that was really going to be any kind of sustainable diet friendly. Um, do you think people are, do you think were we, that was enough to shift like people's perspective? I think it was two things that kind of shift the perspective. I think first off, there are a lot of people on both political spectrums and um so i grew up as a homeschooler i actually grew up with kind of a crunchy granola mom um she was cool before everybody else was cool and you know i grew up eating really healthy and eating local and going to local food markets and local uh grocery stores and buying stuff from farmers markets and then growing my own food i mean my parents placed no restrictions on me as a kid they let me till up their entire backyard and turn it into a farm um my dad people realize I've got to eat healthy and I've got to take care of my body and I got to take care of myself and I've got to eat things that are regional and local to me. I know even my own diet changed and I eat a lot more things just in the last three or four years that I used to not eat because I get them for cheaper because we're all feeling the pinch of the grocery store right now. But I also think it's the, it, that right there blends right into the other thing that I think people realize was 
yes, you can't rely on the local grocery store. I always share this example. This is the one that still blows my mind. I've had chickens for, gosh, six years now, something like that. And one of the things that I remember for about six weeks after COVID was here locally, and, and keep in mind, we're in, a, we're in a big chicken and egg producing state. Um, yeah. You could not find eggs. You just couldn't find what? them. That, and the number of people, and this happened when we had an ice storm about a year and a half. It was about two years after COVID. We had an ice storm, massive, shut down the whole city for like a week and a half, two weeks. And I remember, again, we ran out of eggs. And both times, because I had chickens, because I had I had eggs, people would call me, hey, man, I've got, you know, four kids. I can't get eggs. Can I borrow a dozen so I can bake some bread, you know, or, you know so on and so forth. And I remember rolling around in the ice in my four-wheel drive pickup or, you know, right after COVID hit, um, my then wife would would make, she'd bake some loaves of bread. I'd grab some, at that time I was getting some veggies from the garden because it was kind of like April, May. Um, and I'd throw in some eggs in there and drop them off at people's houses. And it just kind of this wake up call of the grocery store is not always going to have things that you, that you need. And, and, and I understand like I'm, I come from a position of, um, just a lot of education in the area. My grandmother who I lived with and took care of for years, grew up in the great depression. And all she would talk about when I lived with her was you just don't understand what it's like to not have food. Like you just, you have no idea what it's like to go to bed hungry. Cause she did for many years of her life. She grew up in abject poverty and she said, you know, you, when you can, you can get to the point where you can store up food, like do it. And I always remember we had food everywhere when I lived with her. I mean, it just pantries of it. We never went hungry. And so just having that kind of driven into me from an early age and especially in my twenties when I, when I lived with her and took care of her was really good for me because it made me realize, and I think a lot of other people are kind of waking up to that reality of I'm going to go to the grocery store. And so just in the last three years, has been almost every time the grocery store, they're out of something that I need. Um, that has just all my life. That's not been a reality, but in the last three years, I rarely may want to complete my entire grocery shopping list. And I'm, I'm not picky. I'm not fancy with what I eat. I'm, I'm pretty run of the mill, average middle-class American with my diet. Minus yeah. I don't need a lot of junk food. Yeah, no, we've, we've run into a, a similar issue. Not, I mean, not where we can't get what we need it, but there's like, we'll do like that. Um, you know, where you have the shopping done for you and just go pick it up or whatever. And as long as you're over, you know, a certain dollar amount, it's, it's a free service or whatever. Um, just because we're on the go and everything. And we get a lot of notifications for substitution and, you know, when it's just one brand for another, like I, I I usually don't care and not near as my wife. Uh, but a lot of times it's like, Hey, we can't get you, you know, uh, potatoes. So we're gonna get you, you know, sweet potatoes instead. It's like, well, it's not actually what we need. So nope, not going to do that. Or, uh, things where you have to like, all right, well, I guess we're not going to get that. You know, we'll just take it off the order and we'll have to go to the, you know, like an actual produce market or something, which is fine. I don't, it doesn't bother me. It's just like an extra step or whatever, but it does. I think kind of like highlight that things are not, despite what the news will tell us all right things are not good um in terms of like our shipping in terms of our just you know i mean we have food processing plants every other week that are on fire or you know seemingly just falling victim to these insanely uh you know poorly timed uh 
accidents that uh, no one can explain. And then we never hear about it again. But the price of food never stops going up. It's it's insane. Well, and I think that leads into no, it's it, it is insane. And I think that leads into the other part of this discussion where. You know, the grocery store is not your only source. It's not the only place you can get food. And there are so many here in Arkansas, we can grow, especially under plastic, plastic culture. Um, so greenhouses, hoop houses, you hear them called all kinds of different things. But under under plastic, you can grow year round in my zone in Arkansas. And you, one of the things you have to learn how to do is you have to learn how to shop local and you have to learn how to eat seasonally. This is hard for me because I like to eat uh, like great example, Mexican food. So I, you know, I'm being in Little Rock, lots of Hispanics. I work in landscape, um, lots of Hispanic friends. I love eating Mexican food year round, um, both authentic and Tex-Mex. The reality is those ingredients aren't available year round. And so sometimes that looks different. You know, tomatoes are not good in December. I don't care who you are. I will fight you. Uh, (laughs) It tastes like plastic. And so it's one of those things where learning how to eat seasonally, which I'm really challenging myself and pushing myself to do. So in Arkansas, great example right now, what is seasonal in Arkansas? We're coming up into peach, blueberry, blackberry, raspberry season, uh, spinach, um, you are getting this some early tomatoes, cucumber, squash, stuff like that. So you kind of look at what your local, your local farmer's market has and you go, okay, I'm going to start eating around that. Whereas in October, November, December, I'll eat a lot more squashes, pumpkins, potatoes, sweet potatoes. Those are the things that tend to be, uh, or carrots, you know, uh, broccoli, uh, cauliflower, stuff like that. That's the stuff that tends to be fresh that time of the year. So, Eating seasonally is a big part of it, and then eating local is a big part of it. So finding local sources. Um, you'd be surprised at how many – one of the things I hear about, not to go on a side tangent, one of the things I hear about a lot is I'm trying to find people that are like-minded. They enjoy this prepared lifestyle. Oh, yeah. Guess, yep. guess and, and if you want to, we can touch on that later because I feel like that's something I'm pretty good at. And one of the things I tell folks is go to your local farm. You know, one of my lifelong mentors, a guy that's been really influential in my life, used to go to my church. He he had a small farm and he was so good to hire me over the summers and over the winters and you know, kind of whatever time of the year he needed work done to come out and work with him. So not only would I get to spend time and he'd share with me about life and, you know, teach me how to be a band. You know, what something else that he did was I got to see what it's like to work on a real working farm, like where you're reliant upon this farm for your income. Mm-hmm. And and it was so good to see the power of knowing your neighbors and being local because man, anytime, like whether it was his wife getting cancer or they had a really bad hailstorm come through and wipe out everything, you know, like all these things they had to, they ended up having to move and sell a farm, you know, all this kind of stuff. It was all their neighbors that came. It was the local ranchers, the guy that raises pigs. It was a apiary that raised honey. Um, the guy down the street that sold car used cars. I mean, all their neighbors in a small community came together and helped them. And so I think that's the key thing is while you're searching local, you're not just going to get food. You're also going to get a community kind of like thrown in with it if you invest and if you put the effort into it. So I know I sound like a broken record, but man, go local, go local. It, you're, you're only going to pay a little bit extra. I mean, I pay, I'm talking about pennies extra, maybe even a 50 cents or a dollar 
but it's totally worth it. If even just a few times a year, I can go to a local farm and get stuff and either store it up or, you know, plant a big meal for friends or something like that. It keeps that source here. So instead of having to rely on California for all of my lettuce or South America or Central America, I know that my neighbor down the street, he's got a lettuce growing operation. He has lettuce year round. And I want him to be in business because I like lettuce. It's the base of a lot of things that I eat. So it's stuff like that. I think it's just, it's a shift of mindset. Yeah, no. And that's, I think, I I hope people start to recognize those kinds of things because you're right. It really doesn't cost. I mean, maybe at your local restaurant, maybe your meal costs a dollar or two more because it is locally. Like we have a, uh, an awesome brewery here um, and they, unfortunately like they unrolled this like no shit like november of 2019 so they were like just barely getting things uh up and running and then it was like bam you know you know shut down um and as they started rolling out their food menu it was like very limited and then once they got like a a decent menu they switched and went okay they made a big announcement and everyone loved it like we are locally sourcing everything so, you know, uh, the sliders that we make, we're getting the bread from the bakery that's just up the street. We're getting all the meat from the butcher, you know, the other way up the street. We're getting all of the, you know, everything's local. And a couple of the prices did go up a little bit, but the quality of the food, I think, was actually like better. Um, and this way, you know, it's it's giving back to the economy and, you know, developing those businesses that are going to be there when you need to you know, go and get something like, Hey, the grocery store is sold out. Uh, I don't know where else to go. You can, you know, maybe now, you know, some other places you can reach out to. There's other sources that can not only sell you some bread, but they can make more bread and then sell it to you. Mm-hmm. And that it's, it's a, like you said, it's a source you can, you can go to. And uh, it's a, it's a, I think it's more of a community thing. People need to be more aware of how we are as a community and how that can, that impact uh, can be either reduced by working together and making some different you know decisions or amplified by making a whole lot of you know consistently poor decisions and where you're sourcing some of these things. So I think that's the easiest like first the first step that you can make towards quote not necessarily homesteading but more <laughs> self-sufficiency is going with local networks. Uh, building out those local networks, getting to know your local networks, getting to be friends with people that are close by, that is automatically going to help break that chain that large chains have over your purchasing decisions and your in your buying power is when you go local, you you keep your dollars there and you give the you give the dollars to people that you support. And here's the thing: I always say this. You know, some of this, some of the people I buy from local. Oh man, they're interesting. Um, I I do not agree with like their lifestyle choices or necessarily like who they are, what they believe in, or you know anything like that. I, I went into sure. one place that had a had a big sign and flags and all this kind of stuff. Or a whole bunch of stuff I did not agree with. But you know what? I knew all the girls inside were super sweet. I really like them. They have always been very supportive of me and my business. And I chose I chose to buy from them because guess what? It's okay for other people to think and be different than you are. And they, and I understand that at the end of the day, they're going to support my business and so I'm going to support theirs. And so I think it's a big thing. It's like uh, giant corporations don't care about you. They hate you. Um, they, they hate their customers for the, for the most part, i.e. Bud Light. And so it's one of those things where it, it, stop, stop supporting big corporations that hate you and instead support local businesses that, again, 
they might agree or disagree with your belief system, lifestyle, et cetera, they do still actually care about you as a person. And so I think that's like that first step. And then kind of next step is, okay, how can I start doing some stuff myself? Well, I think when, and I think a lot of people disregard like what you just said is like the first step, right? Like looking local and just those small things, right? Because it's not like a, I don't want to say tangible uh, step, you know, it's more or less just a lifestyle adjustment, kind of like, kind of like a diet, honestly. Um, People almost disregard it. I feel like a lot of people, when they think, you know, the first step you got to take, and I've heard this from, I can't tell you how many people is I'm going to get chickens. I'm just going to go build a coop and I'm going to get some chickens and that's going to be step one. And I'm like, Hey man, cool. Like that's, that's badass. Um, does your city let you do that? Um, like, cause where I live, we, we, we are not allowed to have chickens and it sucks because I love eggs. Like I, I love eggs. Um, now luckily I do have a buddy where we're, you know, able to go shoot on his property and we go train and, and, you know, our, our like small circle of friends, work together and everything. And he has chickens. He was nice enough to give us some the last time we were out there. And if not, you know, like he's got some neighbors that sell them and stuff with like $4 or $5, I think for the the dozen, but they're like, you know, they're fresh that morning, you know, so I don't mind paying a little bit more. And, and honestly, they taste better, you know, like it's funny because most people you crack an egg, everyone's like, Oh, the yolk is yellow. Well on fresh eggs, the yolk's actually orange. And people mm-hmm. go, oh, it's weird. I don't want to eat that. Like, mm, you should try it. It's actually quite a bit better. And there's, it's better for you because there's less bullshit in it. Do you think, do you think chickens are the right? I mean, is that a good place to start? I mean, for people, it, or is it really one of those things where you step into it and realize there's a whole lot more going on? Yeah. So I am, uh, I'm not going to pretend to be something that I am not while a lot of people adjacent and around me and family members raise horses, goats, cattle, all that kind of stuff. Um, I've only stepped my foot into chickens, um, maybe a little bit horses, not much. So it's mainly helping my sister out when I was younger. Um, but I think chickens are not the best first step because I, I'm, I'm, I truly believe that just starting some stuff in some pots, starting with gardening is going to be the key thing because it's, it's got a low, it's got a low buy-in, you know, chickens don't start producing for four to six months, depending upon the variety that you get. And like my coop, keep in mind, I did all the work myself. I actually, this is really cool. I sourced most of the lumber locally as well. And most of the sources or most of the, the building supplies I got from a, um, Oh, what do you call it? like a big surplus warehouse that sells building material from buildings that are torn down. And oh, okay, cool. even, even then I still spent like 1200 bucks. Now Damn. granted, I know it's big, you know, because I, I live in the city and we, you know, Arkansas, pretty much every city here is very open to chickens, like do whatever you want, but you have to keep them cooped up all the time. So they have to be in a, in a what's called a ruin. So I like chickens. I think they are the best bang for your buck. I think they are the ultimate survival food because you can either use the eggs for a multitude of things. Pretty much if you have a dairy cow and chickens or a dairy goat and chickens, um, you're not going to live the American version of comfortable, but you're going to have most everything you need to make a lot of kind of the, the life staples as far as food goes. So I like chickens. I think they're, I think they're cool. I think they're a great place to get started for animals. Honestly, I'm probably not going to advance past chickens unless I get dairy cows. And that's going to be when I move out to property and all that. That is something I like to do. 
But you also have to think about the, like the time commitment. See, gardening doesn't have initially starting small doesn't have a big time commitment. It's it's not as like overwhelming and it's not as big of a financial investment either. I mean, you can man, with thirty or forty bucks, you can get a garden started. I don't recommend mm-hmm. that. I recommend putting a little more into it. Um, but I I tell folks, hey, don't get in over your head scale. I, I say this to my customers all the time, scale. Why aren't you scaling? Why do you want to go full blown, you know, right out the gate? And that's a lot of people kind of lose hope and they lose patience and they end up realizing, okay, this lifestyle isn't for me. And, and I'll use myself as an example. So I just got back like just like three hours ago from vacation. And so I've got, you know, giant coop full of chickens, got a big garden, um, and I do cut flowers. It's something kind of fun. It's just something I do with um, a bunch of the older ladies of my church. I grow them and we give them out to people, whatever. It's just one of my very strange hobbies. It's like, you like guns and cut flowers. I'm like, yeah, just <laughs> let, me, let me be myself. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I have is I've got an automated sprinkler system forever, or watering system. Not quite a sprinkler system yet. We're getting there. It's a lot of work. Um, but the other thing I have is I have a neighbor, um, and I'm not going to say who she is because she probably doesn't want her name on a podcast, but she is retired and just the absolute coolest. She loves my chickens and she's really taken time to learn how they're taken care of. So that allows me pretty much at any given point at the drop of a hack and just leave. Like I, like I am in two weeks, I'm going to take a land navigation class and I was like, Hey, can you watch my chickens for four days and make sure they get water? And have an automatic feeder. And she's like, oh, yeah, sure, not a problem. She watered all my, like, vegetable starts for me, checked on things around my house, noticed, like, one of my tomato plants wasn't getting hit by a sprinkler, so hand-watered it. Ha- Again, going back to the community thing, scale, but also if you're going to get into this lifestyle of homesteading and having a small farm, et cetera, my parents and I were talking about this on vacation. What's key is you've got to have a community that helps you take care of it. Because when you've got all this stuff that you got to do, if you don't have paid workers or a community, you will never be able to get away and you will always feel trapped. And I've been there. When I lived out in the country, garden had like a quarter of an acre. I lived on four acres. I literally never felt like I could go, I could go on vacation. And partially that was my own fault because I didn't get to know my, my neighbors. Once I did, they were more than willing to help and they had lots of kids that could help. But you've got to, you got to scale. You've got to have help. Um, and you've got to not get in over your head and you got to understand that you're not always going to be successful. So I think that's key. No, I mean, and it, like that's always my, like my thought with the chickens at least is because people make it sound like it's great and they'll be fine. And you know, it, it always just sounds like to me, a child when they're begging their parents for a puppy, like, I know it's a lot of work, but I don't care. I'll, t- I swear to God, I'll take care of it. I'll do everything I need to. And then it's like, okay, like, like, are you really, you know, because a lot of times once you get into any of this stuff, just like, I mean, just like anything, I mean, hell, it could be guns and gear, right? As soon as you start finding out what optics cost and, and what ammo costs, like, okay, wait a minute. I know, I know I said I was about this life, but hold on. Uh, my bank account is not, you know, it, it's, there's a depth to it that you kind of have to understand. So that's, I think what makes what you said, just even that much more impactful, you know, scale, understand, like take the small steps first. Um, like seriously, I mean, uh, I know for sure we, we hear, we would struggle with a garden just because neither one of us are particularly gifted with a green thumb. 
uh, actually my wife is terrible about it. I give her crap for it all the time. Uh, you know, like <laughs> a planner box in your apartment when we started dating with like six flowers in it and you replanted it three times in one summer. Like it just, you know, you forget to water. It's just, it's not your thing. It, it, people don't realize that like, it's a, it's a serious, you know, it's, it's a lifestyle switch. You know, you gotta, you gotta start thinking about just like when you get a puppy, just like when you, you know, I mean, anything, right. You you have to commit to, this is going to be a long-term benefit. So I just have to put in some short-term effort here to convert these hobbies to, you know, to, to be more disciplined in how I handle, you know, what I'm trying to do to get to that long-term goal of, uh, you know, uh, better sustainment, whether it's for yourself or you and your family or you and your neighbors or, you know, or, or whatever have you, uh, you know, but it's, it's never as easy, I think, uh, as people hope it will be. Um, and it's definitely never as glamorous, you know, like there's always going to be those failures, right? Yeah, there will be. And I think, man, I think one of the biggest aspects of all that is figuring out what to, to how, what's the little girl that did all the organizing? Um, what sparks joy is what she would always say. You've got to figure out what kind of sparks joy for you as far as, you know, I, I like this certain food or I like this certain thing about being outside. So I'll, I'll use my dad as an example. My dad is, has a brown thumb. He kills everything. And my mom is the only reason anything stays alive. But one thing my dad is really good at is raising bees. And he just got, he's kind of empty nester. My parents are actually very young for me being in my thirties. And so my dad has a lot of energy and just kind of wanted to pick up a new hobby. And so he picked up doing, um, bees again he used to be a beekeeper and so he's got gosh by next year he'll have three or four hives i think in the backyard and so he'll be producing all his own honey and honeycomb which is really cool and it's something fun it brings him joy he enjoys that aspect of being more prepared and more off grid you know whatever whatever fun term you want to use for it that's kind of his contribution Whereas for me, I'm real passionate about tomatoes. I love tomatoes. I grow at any given time about 20 to 40 different varieties. I'm always testing and experimenting with them. And I've done that for 27 years now. And so I always, you know, tomatoes are one of those things that really gets me interested in and vice versa chickens are. I don't eat eggs from the store, period. Call me picky, whatever. If it's not a fresh you know, egg from one of my friend's farms or from my, my own chickens. I just, I can't do it. And I, those are kind of my two things that really get me into all the homesteading stuff and that I really enjoy. And then I just kind of, I've kind of branched out from there. And one of the concepts I talk about a lot is, okay, we're past the whole point of this brings joy. This is something I really enjoy. The next thing is what, what's your, what's your money crop? So for me, my big crop is um, my previous wife and myself really, really like bell peppers. And bell peppers, if you've ever been in the store, an organic bell pepper is expensive. They're about a yep. dollar twenty nine a piece. Yeah. Especially because anything you make, you're not just buying one. It's usually like three or four or five. So you're doing stuffed peppers or a veggie tray, like anything, you're buying at least a few. Correct. Correct. So they're expensive. Well, one of the things I found was I can take one four by eight raised bed. I cram in 27 bell peppers. Fun fact for you, if you grow bell peppers, they like to be planted close because they like to shade each other with their leaves. 
and it helps them with pollination. I won't get into the really nerdy stuff about all the, all the horticulture <laughs> stuff, but bell peppers are my money crop. They are what pay for my garden every year. I will produce between what we eat fresh and then or what we would eat fresh and then what I would freeze. I produce out of $9 worth of plants and probably two bucks worth of fertilizer. I would produce about $400 a year worth of bell peppers. And Damn. yeah, not yeah. It, not bad. And, and what my entire garden costed me each year as far as seed plants, all that kind of stuff. And again, this is because I keep scaling. So every year for like the last 10 years, I've been, to buy more stuff this is actually the first year i've really not had to buy that much so my garden only, only is going to be about 200 this year but normally my garden's about three to four hundred dollars a year to get seed any extra dirt fertilizers um i don't really factor water into that but i just spend so little you know 15 bucks a month on water whatever it's a lot cheaper than people with pools so for me i i know that that one crop my bell peppers are going to pay for that hobby so everything else i grow onions, potatoes, uh, hot peppers, beans, squashes, gourds, tomatoes, all that stuff is, it's just icing on the cake. So a lot of folks go into it looking, Oh, I'm going to save money on my grocery bill. Don't, don't think about it like that. It's going to take you a little bit before you quote, save money on your grocery mm-hmm. bill, but figure out what those cash crops are for you. Figure out what that money crop is, that, that crop that is going to, that's really going to pay for itself and that your particular family eats a lot of. I know for a lot of my friends, it's blueberries. Um, and so I've got a grower here locally. He has $15 blueberry bushes and they're huge and they're like three foot tall. And so I always go up and load a trailer of those up. My friends buy them off me and they pay me for my fuel. And I've got several friends that are up to like 15 or 20 blueberry bushes because you go wow. buy a small little, little pint of organic blueberries. It's like $8. Oh, it's Whereas expensive. You, oh, yeah. Oh yeah. And blueberries are a perennial. They come back year after year. They last for 15 years before you have to replant them, sometimes longer, depending upon variety in your region. So you think about it for 15 years, you got that plant producing you food. And so I think that's a big, a big misconception with like the homestead or, you know, off grid or, you know, more self-sufficient lifestyle is everybody expects you like saving all this money right off the bat. You just, you just aren't. You just aren't. Um, I worked a second job to pay for my gardening for a long time. And I'm finally to the point now where, you know, my primary job actually plays into a lot of what I do, but it also pays for a lot of what I do. I always have leftover mulch and dirt from jobs and fertilizer and all that kind of stuff. It's great. So I think that's the big thing is, A, understand, be a realist. Um, I, I want to do something that's going to bring me joy. Also be a realist in the sense of this is going to cost money on the front end. Uh, but lastly, understand that, hey, it does get to a point where if you can find something that you really like, it is going to that, – that pays for itself, then you'll start seeing the savings. Then you'll start seeing that more of that self-sufficiency. Yeah. Is there – so is there like <clears> – I don't know. So you mentioned like the bell peppers, right? Like they be planted close together and that they thrive that way. I feel like that's where – that kind of stuff, right, is where people s- sometimes misunderstand or don't – just don't know and fall short is – what you can plant together, what you can't, you know, plant together, um, things like, Hey, you just put them really close, things like that. Um, is that something that, I mean, where, where do people even find out that kind of information? Like I would be a total idiot. I wouldn't know what to plant next to the next thing or to keep away from something else. You know, you say, you said you're in Michigan, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
so Michigan, the Michigan um, cooperative extension is awesome. I actually follow them for quite a bit of stuff because Michigan, because of the way it's situated between the two Great Lakes, they actually have a warmer climate than all the other states on the other side, on the left and the right of the Great Lakes. So uh, cooperative extension for your state is always going to be the best resource. They're not going to be entirely organic. Um, I am, I'm a, I'm, I'm a fence sitter. So I have one arm, I have kind of one foot in the organic world. I have another foot in the conventional. Um, at the end of the day, if I have a family and I'm reliant upon all of my fruits and veggies and chickens, all that kind of stuff to survive, by God, I mean, I'm spraying whatever I need to, to be quite frank. But I know for my myself personally, I've been organic for years. And I really don't have to do that because organic just works. When you set up a when you set up an environment in which that works and you have the right soil and all the right plants working together, you can grow that way. But I think a lot of people try to get into the Hugo culture, permaculture, no-till. They try to get into all these like buzzwords real fast, right out the gate, instead of just learning the basics first. Hey, learn conventional gardening then go to organic and then you can get into all the fancy stuff. Um, but people try to just go all in all the time right out the gate and they get, they get frustrated and they get discouraged. So I think, I think that's an important part of it. I think the other aspect that is important is, is good resources. That's, that's where this sucks. There's just not a lot of good resources on how to garden. So first I will tell you your cooperative extension is going to be the best um, there, this is the only time you're ever going to hear me say this. I love that my tax dollars go to this government entity. They, they provide vastly more value than what we pay in taxes for them. And they help a lot of small farmers. They help a lot of big farmers and they help a lot of just individuals on how to grow stuff. Second of all, Instagram got to get on Instagram. Instagram is where all the garden content is. Yes. YouTube. There's a lot on YouTube too. But a lot of those YouTubers on, are on Instagram too. Get off TikTok. Stop watching TikTok and TikTok and Snapchat. For I mean, you shouldn't have those anyway. But stop watching it for gardening advice. I mean, the stuff that I hear, I know when when I worked in the nursery, I knew when there'd be a TikTok trend because we have a whole bunch of people coming in asking for stuff. And I go, Hey, do you see? On, I kind of even have TikTok, and I say, Hey, do you see on TikTok? I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, I saw it. I'm like. It, it's garbage. Um, it's backed by no true. Yeah, it's it's literally like a like a like a Chinese troll farm. Um, that's just cranking out these videos. Like that's actually real. That's actually something that happens. Is overseas troll farms crank out these these gardening videos that are actually fake. And so I love Instagram for and YouTube. And these are not going to be a bunch of dudes that wear some drippy M eighty one. And are out there with their, you know, LMT DMR, and they're talking about how I'm going to, you know, snipe coyotes coming to get my garden. A lot of them are going to be, you know, some hippie little girl with a sunflower T-shirt on talking about OMG how much I love gardening. And I think a lot of people, especially guys that look like you and I, really kind of discount that knowledge. And I say this as one of those girls lives close to me. I've gotten to know her and her husband. They run a massively popular YouTube and Instagram channel. She speaks like all the homestead conferences and it's whispering willow farm and Jill and her husband, Nathan are so cool. And they put out some of the best information. There's another guy local to me named Sean. There's roots and refuge farm, which is Jessica and her husband. I've gotten to meet her a couple of times. Um, all these people that are not, in our tactical gun community, honestly, like mm -hmm. they really don't even care about this kind of stuff. 
that doesn't mean they don't put out amazing information. And you're going to see me on my Instagram. I share their stuff often, especially when they put out a good video or, you know, discount codes for seeds or tools or something like that. Um, it, it, it's why my Instagram is like, uh, you know, dudes over here in the latest, you know, camo drip. And then it's like girls showing off cut flowers, um, you know, and then these guys out there, you know, these hippie dudes out there talking about, you know, permaculture, like it's, 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 it's an eclectic mix, but you're going to have to, you're going to have to kind of go down that rabbit trail to get that info. So good vetted sources on social media, primarily Instagram and YouTube, maybe some Facebook, but it's kind of gotten censored at this point now. And then cooperative extension is where I kind of send everybody to. Yeah. And, and it, it's good that we have actual resources that are reliable. You know, I feel like on the gun side, you can only ever trust like, or on the tactical side, the gun side, whatever you can only ever trust like a third of what you find, you know, and the other two thirds might be right, but you'll have, uh, you know, a million people telling you why it's wrong. Anyways, it's, it's kind of, you know, there's I I assume anyways there's just less drama in the gardening realm because uh, people really just don't care as much about fighting with each other. At least I hope not. Um, and it it kind of lends itself to the discussion around like having those relationships and making those connections with people. Because realistically, everyone likes to talk about like, oh well, when shit goes sideways, like you said, I'm gonna grab my my DMR and I'm gonna start going to work and grab my you know like i personally hate m81 but you know teach their own whatever you know uh <laughs> but when you look at it big picture like okay outside like the first week or two if something large scale were to happen like you're going to need that that community you're going to need people around you to to help you survive what you're all going through right um and i know that's something that we had talked about earlier as well was you know you you all down there got hit pretty good Right. You guys had a, a tornado come through. I'm not going to say six months because I feel like six months is too long ago. Was it like three months ago? It was actually right at about two to two and a half months ago. It was the uh, last day of March, okay. March 31st. <clears throat> so when that happened, let, like, let's talk about that because I know there's a lot to unpack there. And I know it's one of those things where a lot of people very easily, like here in Michigan, like, I can tell you, like, the last time we had a tornado touchdown, like, I, uh, I don't even know if I was alive. Like we, we don't get that up here. Um, it's honestly one of the reasons why I haven't moved out of this state, no tornadoes and there's not insects with poison that are going to try and kill me. I hate a lot of the other things, but those are two of the top things that keep me here. You know, where people are like, Oh yeah, come down to the South. I'm like, nah, man, you're spiders, you're snakes. You got tornadoes. You got weird shit. Like, I don't know if I'm down with that, it, but in all seriousness, you know, that's something that you guys had to live through. Right. And the community as a whole had to, come together and and actually not just talk about it on the instagrams right you know for clicks and likes and everything but you actually had to put those kinds of skills together to salvage homes to so people could you know uh, people could eat they had a meal you know because their kitchen was destroyed you know so people with gardens were able to uh, help you know and, and and things like that so what was that like from a community perspective just the, the relief work and everything that went into that. I don't even know where to, where to begin to start asking about, you know, what, what that must've been like. Yeah. So yeah, to make that transition, cause I know a lot of people are listening are going to be like, man, that is a really weird transition, but this is kind of like a, we want to talk about homesteading and just the kind of the surface level stuff. But the other thing 
want to talk about was because everybody wants to talk about it, but nobody offers solutions to like community. And then few people answer the re- answer the question, why does being prepared matter? And, and why does having a community matter? Um, right. So I live in Little Rock, Arkansas. We made national news back in late March. We were hit with an EF3 tornado. Um, it hit my neighborhood. So as I'm recording this podcast, I can look out my front window and I see trees down and blue tarps. Well, actually no more trees down. Um, and there's a reason for that. So I kind of a, a short synopsis of, of my perspective. I was dropping, I was actually helping a, a friend kind of in my, um, I'm sure a lot of folks have heard of the term like mutual assistance groups or like, you know, Skillshare groups or something like that. I've got a few of those going on with, you know, different guys that we get together and like share skills, whether it be like guns or gardening or like how to work on cars or we have a Bible study that we do. And it's like really cool stuff like that. And I'm helping one of those guys, his wife wanted to start a garden. And so I was dropping some stuff at his house and we had a tornado warning and I get on the interstate and I notice all the cops going 95 miles an hour, one direction. And I'm listening to a storm chaser and he, he calls out my street name and said, there's a tornado on the ground. I was like, Oh man, uh, this is, this is a problem. And so I took uh, my truck to 95 miles an hour and tailgated police officers to get back. Uh, turns out I uh, bent a push rod in my engine uh, actually as of about three weeks ago. And I think that was the incident that did it. But regardless, I uh, hopped curbs and ran over uh, full size 60 year old oak trees and got to my neighborhood and came uh, came to a uh, like the thing I'd trained for for 15 years. I've been doing disaster relief for years. Never thought it would hit me. Never thought it would be in my neighborhood. Um, my house was spared, thankfully. I was uh, joking with Austin earlier. I was kind of like, you know, man, I, I kind of wish I got a tree through the roof because I do need a new roof and the insurance company could have paid for it. But the reality is I'm glad I'm not. And I, I'm glad I didn't because I wouldn't have gotten to, to serve folks. But what was really cool was my church is actually my backyard. So I walk to church and we have something called a community center. And our community center is like a hub for like this portion of the capital city. So about a, about a sixth of the city, we're, we're a hub for all kinds of things, dental resources, food, GED, legal help, um, you name it, man. Mental health services, we offer all of it. So we became the entire city's disaster relief hub. And my street was complete. You couldn't get past it. Hundreds of trees down. And uh, in the midst of all this, multiple of our fire stations, including my local fire station in my neighborhood and multiple 5G towers for Verizon, which is a cell phone service that I use, got hit. So we lost essentially cell service, um, which is, I think, pretty much every American's worst nightmare. But I was able to get out a couple of calls and was able to get out probably the most important call, which was to kind of like my group of dudes. And mm-hmm. I said, Hey, I'm, I'm fine. I think my house is good. I didn't even go into the backyard. I knew I had a few branches and some trees down. I didn't have power, but I said, my neighborhood's devastated. And, um, guys drove through chain link fences, uh, lied to <laughs> checkpoint police officers, uh, hiked in gear over a mile, um, like chainsaws and stuff to, to get to me. And we made my house kind of base station for the tornado. And what we did was we had about 15 guys and two big pieces of heavy machinery that had been customized that were made for moving tree stuff. Um, those were some friends that come, they, they dropped everything. They ran a professional tree company 
three of those guys dropped everything and immediately headed to my place. We were able to clear my entire street in three hours. And then we cleared about 75% of the driveways and we worked until about three o'clock in the morning. And then the next day we came back and finished all the driveways and freed all the trapped cars. And my street now is almost fully recovered from the tornado. Um, There's a couple of roofs that they're finishing up this week. And there's uh, three houses that still have interior work to be done. But outside that, all the relief work is finished. And that's not because I'm such a great person. That's because a bunch of us had a plan. And we had to use radios the entire time. Radios were critical. Um, and going to keep a little bit of OPSEC. I'm not going to share like exact specifics to radios we use. We use Motorola's mm-hmm. and, and Baofeng's. Um, we ended up using primarily Baofeng's because... What um, you can't do that? Haven't you looked at Instagram? People, they, everyone knows oh, yeah. that things aren't. You can't use it for anything but a paperweight. Yeah, yeah. Fun fact for you: <clears throat> Do you know that in a, in the event of a disaster, nobody was using Valfangs? That blew my mind. None of the channels were ever crammed. The only channel that we ever had interference on was because the church was running Valfangs for their relief effort. Um, and, and people don't even, uh, maybe they do, but a lot of people don't even realize, you know, cause that's the big rub, right? Like everyone wants to get a bail fang and get, or, or they talk about wanting to get a bail fang and like get their ham license. And then they can start running tactical comms with their buddies, but they don't want to take the test. So they don't, they don't get the license. They don't learn how to use the radio. People don't even like, if you would have just bought the book and cracked the book or even just go on the websites free, right? In states of emergency like that, that license bit goes out the window because things like the internet and cell service go away. So, yeah, being able to use a Motorola radio or a Baofeng radio or, I mean, hell, it it could be a crappy, uh, I don't know, one of those like clamshell crappy radios that you get at Walmart. Any FRS, yeah. is, is fair game. I mean, granted, the FRS stuff with the, with the fixed uh, antennas is going to be pretty limited, and you're probably not going to have a – you're already not having a good time. That's going to make it worse. But it's basically – I don't want to say it's no holds barred, but the rules are very, very lax in situations like that. Well, no, you're exactly right. I mean, the reality is the rules hadn't been lax. I, I don't think we really would have cared because the comms were just down. Like, we didn't have internet. I didn't. I didn't have internet for a week and a half. Um, thankfully the church did, but like our entire neighborhood, there was like 15,000 people in Little Rock that didn't have internet for an extended period of time. And then cell network was down for about two to three days. And even after then, it was like three weeks before it really got back to working like it was supposed to. And so having those radios were awesome. And we ran those on every operation we did, every, every relief effort that we did. And you know, we had, man, from having a comms guy to having food deliveries to having um, uh, generators run, we had to run security because we had really bad looting. So this was not like us wanting to, you know, LARP around with the boys and all of our fun, you know, multicam stuff. Like we had legitimate looting um, and most of it was happening at night. We actually watched people steal some of our chainsaws. Uh, we just couldn't get to yeah, them because funny. when you yeah, when you've been sawing for four hours, like you don't really feel like running after somebody. But yeah, that was something where we went to all the neighbors and and the local police. The local police were so supportive; they were so cool. And local national guard too, and just kind of identified ourselves. I had I had some disaster relief credentials that I was able to use to really kind of establish some legitimacy with local law enforcement. 
And then because I was tied onto our church, they kind of gave me a unofficial title of like, Hey, you're helping out with relief effort. And that was wonderful. That really helped us in our ability to kind of maneuver and get things done and help people. Cause I was there. All I cared about was I'm here to help people. And if you get in the way, I will run you over. And so stay out of the way of helping people. And so that was one of the cool things. Like we provide security for the neighborhood for the weekend, um, just kind of work shifts, guys night vision, kind of walking up and down the street. It was funny because a lot of my neighbors said, Hey man, we, you know, we saw you guys out there like, you know, night vision. We were pretty, we were pretty covert. I mean, it was like night vision. We might see an AR or something like that. But they're like, Hey, thanks. Like we appreciate you walking up down the street, like knowing that our stuff wasn't getting stolen because most of my neighbors are elderly and they have been taken advantage of multiple times to this disaster. And a lot of them are my friends. I mean, this neighborhood, the neighborhood that got really devastated, so like the street over from me are actually I mean, a lot of my friends I'd grown up with all my life got hit. Um, this is not like a distant, unrelated thing. I do want to add, I actually did um, I did uh, search and rescue when the tornado hits because I was only two minutes behind the tornado. So I actually grabbed my search and rescue bag. I've got some search and rescue certs. And so I ran a mile. Cardio is important. Um, <laughs> I ran a mile over what were probably live power lines and trees to get up to the bad part of the damage and worked with our local police force, kicking in doors and pulling people out. Um, we, we got a lot of folks, a lot of pets, stuff like that out. It was just man, it was so rewarding and super cool to get to help folks. And it was the entire disaster reaffirmed why if you don't have a plan and you don't have dudes that are squared away and are trained to know what to do. And I'll also add too, it's just not guys. Like, like I'm glad these guys are trained and prepared, et cetera. One of the things I did after kind of like four or five days after the disaster was I texted all of my buddies' wives and I said, hey, guess who else had to sacrifice? Y'all, because y'all had to, y'all had to let your husband literally drop his entire life, everything to come help me and my, my friends and neighbors. And you took care of kids. We don't think about that in like the event of a disaster, et cetera. But all of the auxiliary forces are great too. Like nobody would think of my elderly neighbor, you know, coming over and taking care of my chickens as, you know, an important part of me being more self-sufficient. But she is. The reality is she is. She's yeah. going to be an important part of whatever I decide to do. And so in the disaster, it just looked so different. You know, all of these different people, like getting to make phone calls, like who would have thought we ran out of T-shirts? We needed T-shirts at one point. Well, because I had worked at a T-shirt factory and I knew this guy from years ago from an old church I went to, I call him up, hey, we need T-shirts. And in an hour, we had T-shirts. You don't think about that, but it's important because when you've lost your home and all of your T-shirts have insulation and you know pieces of wood in them, you don't have anything to wear anymore. I'll never yeah. forget, man, the most haunting and scary part, the, the part that just really kind of like shook me. Because again, disaster relief is nothing new to me. I've had friends that have died in tornadoes. Like, this is not something that I'm not unfamiliar with. Um, the part that got to me was watching people rolling suitcases up and down the street um, a, a couple hours after, after the tornado because they had nowhere to go. Um, thousands and thousands of people displaced. And it was... It was the apocalypse. It looked like the apocalypse. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, other parts of the city were totally fine. Like my mom and dad, five minutes down the road, totally fine. Um, they were taking care of my brother's kids so my brother could come over and come help. Mm. You know, but there's stuff like that that I just, that's an example I'm going to continue to hammer. And I really want to talk about and I want to stay vocal about for the, for the foreseeable future it, because it's such a great example of, hey, this lifestyle isn't LARPing. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with owning night vision and going and training and, 
learning tactics and all that kind of stuff. That stuff is great and good and well, and it has a place, and we need to encourage that. We need to stop mocking that. But vice versa, there are real-life disasters that do happen, and all that same stuff, that camaraderie, that community plays a, plays a huge role. And, and I can sit here for hours and list off the number of people that because I and other guys were squared away, there are people that have homes now. There are people that have places to stay. There's one lady that the professional tree crew that came down to help, they did $40,000 worth of work at her house for free. Um, it would have oh bankrupted that family. They yeah, would have no, never that's... been able to afford that. Um, so just really, really cool stuff, man. And that's just something I'm really passionate about and why I'm going to continue to, why I've lived this lifestyle all my life of being prepared, but of why I think it's important. Well, and yeah, you know, the, I, the we, people get so, we get so tied up, you know, in that, uh, oh, I'm looking to build my network. I, I need to find my circle and people for whatever, I mean, not for whatever reason, we know why, right? It, it people think it starts and ends with flat range training and shooting and we're going to get together once a month and go shoot some guns, have a good time. Maybe after we'll have a couple beers and then like, that's it. Right. But I think that that's just a really good example um, of why it, 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 it should be, and it needs to be a, a deeper endeavor than that. Right. Like those should be, you should have people that you can call in times of emergency. It means it has to be emergency. Like, Hey, I, I just need help. My brother, uh, you know, called one of our buddies in our, in our group and he helped him come out and pour a new slab of concrete for his front walk that got, you know, he had to have it ripped out and busted up when his, uh, he had like his, uh, his main line coming from like his drain in his basement out to the street, out to the main sewer, or whatever, had a root grow through it and he's getting tons and tons of backup. So he got that fixed, whatever. And it, he had a guy come out and quote him like a couple grand to redo what took them like two and a half hours of the work and about $180, you know, so mm-hmm. having these, you know, and obviously by comparison, that's a pretty small thing after everything you just shared. But the the point I think is, is the same. You should be looking for a group of people that can help support one another and are also looking for, for that because everybody, uh, everyone needs help. When something like that happens, like what you just described, where you have no time to prep, I mean, maybe you do, right? Maybe you got some food store in your basement, but who knows after a tree comes down through it, can you even get to your damn basement? Who's who's to know? Like mm-hmm. best laid plans are are great. Um, but unfortunately, you know, you don't really get a say in in what might happen. You may not even be home when it happens. So then can you get back home? Are you stuck where you're at? Uh, there's just a whole lot that can go into it. And I think, you know, everything you just mentioned is uh, there's there's a whole lot right there. Why it's important to make those connections and build those relationships. Hell, if you're one of those guys listening right now that you're trying to convince your wife why you should be able to buy night vision, hell, maybe if you live in a part of the country where this is a realistic concern, like maybe that's it. Maybe keeping your neighborhood safe is, I mean, hopefully not. But like like you just said, right? It came. I'm sure it came in handy at walking around at three and four o'clock in the morning looking for people that are out trying to make a a somebody's tremendously awful situation, just a little bit, you know, worse to put a few bucks in their pocket. Right. Or God forbid something a whole hell of a lot worse, you know? Yeah. And I'm going to, and I'm going to stop you on, you said something earlier, like, you know, the, Hey, going into you know, with your brother and pouring concrete was a minor thing, et cetera. 
that that's not minor because that those small one of the ways you really get to know people is you work with them. You do work with them. And I think mm-hmm. that that is one of the problems. We want guys that we go on the flat range and, you know, we show how we are all the next Lucas Bodkin. One day I'll be able to shoot as fast as he can. But regardless, <laughs> you know, we all want it. We all want to try to be, you know, the coolest guy with a gun. When in reality, when most things in life happen, that's not the person I'm calling. You know, like I know in just kind of my life situation with the, with the tornado and some other stuff that's happened, it's been incredible. Um, my truck blew up and my, my I use my truck every day for work. And I cannot tell you the number of guys that have been like, hey, man, borrow my SUV, borrow my truck for the next week. OK, well, we'll trade off and then you can borrow this guy's truck, et cetera, um, because thanks to COVID, parts are hard to get and it's been taking weeks. And so it's one of those things where, you know, that sounds minor, but that's how I make my livelihood. Like that's how I provide mm-hmm. for myself and my family is going and working. And I need a vehicle to do that. And, and I've built that network and I've built those relationships because I've gone and I've done things with those guys. And whether it be helping them keep kids, helping them start a garden, helping them move, working on cars, it, you name some, man, some of them, one of them, one of my buddies that he's one of our comms guys, I know one of the biggest things that he needed this last summer was I work at BBS, our church every summer. And he was like, man, my wife needs like literally two hours just, just to clean the house. And I was like, cool. I'm going to take your kids to BBS. I'll work BBS. And then afterwards I'm going to take him out. We're going to go get some Legos and we're going to go eat and we'll just go hang out at the park for a little bit. And like, that's not cool and sexy for a dude to do. It's not, you know, like knocking down targets at the flat range. But the reality is that meant so much to him and his wife. Because she got a break, and and because she got a break, he also got the the time and the ability to work on some stuff for our group that we needed, comms-wise. So I think that's just the big thing I encourage folks is, hey, think outside the box and stop being so narrow-minded of what building community looks like. It is so much more vast and so much more big. And stop trying to build a community where you're all like, you know, you're riding dial, I'll take a bullet for you. Like, that's great. And trust me. I think one day in this country, we're going to need a lot of people like that. It sucks. I hate that we're going to be in that position. I just don't see any other way around it. But there's also a lot of folks you're going to need that the guy that's computer nerd, the guy that farms, the 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 girl that knows how to you know cook well or understands you know finances or whatever. Your network needs to be broad and diverse in viewpoints and skill sets because every skill set, every single one, truly matters and we need to stop discounting um skills because they're not guns or comms i feel like anytime it's not guns or comms it's like well that doesn't matter and i just i just disagree with that yeah i mean and hopefully the events of the last couple years have i mean it's it's basically worst case circumstances right but hopefully that has been enough to spur people to look at things a bit differently whether it's whether it's you looking at your, I don't know, your, your left leaning, right? Friends that maybe you kind of just discounted in general before, but maybe now you're like, well, okay, like we disagree on a lot, but maybe they know a lot about gardening for as one example. Yeah, but alternatively, like, and I know this happened to me, and I'm sure it probably happened to you, is when all we when people started turning on them TVs and you see cities burning, you see the the goofy shit that's going on, and not just like we're not talking just major cities. You know, we're talking cities in general, 
demonstrations, people getting in fights, rioting, looting. I mean, I remember I sat on, uh, I watched on Facebook Live for like six hours. I watched the, the it wasn't really a riot, but it was kind of a riot in, in downtown Detroit, you know, where we had cops and riot gear out and stuff getting, and all of a sudden you get those people that, that were, you know, they're super, they're, they're super liberal. And they thought that people like me were weird. And I don't know why you think you need a gun. Why do you need a suppressor? Why do you need night vision? Why do you, you know, why do you need fill in the blank? Right. All of a sudden, those are the people going, wait a minute. Maybe I've been wrong. I'm scared. I see this. I think of my children. I think of my, my safety, my wife's safety, whatever. And then everything kind of changes. Right. <clears throat> and it sucks that it it takes something like that, right, to to spur that kind of not change, not even the change, but that kind of like thought, just the thought of maybe I'm wrong or maybe I'm too critical. Maybe I'm too judgmental. Maybe I'm looking at the wrong things when I judge the the quality of a person. And do I really want to put myself in a better position? How do I do that? I think it opens the door for a lot of uh, a lot of deeper conversations like and I mean that deeper, because if you're if you're literally ready to have a conversation with, hey, maybe I need to change what I'm looking at. Maybe I need to accept that I'm wrong for a lot of people. I mean, admitting fault is they don't do it. (laughs) I mean, they don't. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you when you start looking at things like this, like you're going to need those people around you like, hey, I get it. Maybe your neighbor's an asshole. Like maybe you just, I I got one of them. I do not care for them. Uh, I mean, in the event, something tremendously awful, you know, happened, I would still go check, knock on the door. Hey, are you okay? Like, you know, do you, is everything all right? Do you have power? Do you need something? Would I love it? No, but I mean, like there's a certain level of human decency that comes with wanting people to also treat you with that level of decency. Um, And I think that 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 idea of community used to be something we as Americans did all the time. I don't think we really have that anymore. We've lost it. Maybe it's because of all the electronics and we just message um, or we're just very divided because of politics and we just can't get over our egos or I, I, don't, I mean, I don't, it's probably a number of things. Right. Uh, but we've gotten really, really divided and it's just, it sucks that it seems like it takes such horrific things to get people to kind of, abandon that soapbox or abandon that belief uh of uh you know there's this they're that they're so right they they can no one can tell them that they're wrong it, that it takes something of that magnitude like the things that you described right or the stuff that we've seen on tv um it sucks you know it's uh, it's the absence of community I love what I'll steal something that Rich Mason over at Direct Action Resource Center says a lot he he says that this stuff isn't you know, like night vision and guns and some storeway food and radios and stuff like that. He calls it insurance. He says like you buy insurance on your car, you buy in, you buy health insurance because we're required to. Thanks, Obama. Um, <laughs> but you know we buy we buy homeowners insurance and life insurance to be qualified. You know all these different insurances. You know insurance is this massive market. So for for you know, for centuries, even millennia. Everybody had insurance in the form of I've got a few extra things stored up and I've got this community and those are, those are insurance. And so I think when I started looking at it through his perspective and started using that term, okay, $500 extra worth of food is some really nice insurance to have, or 
you know, night vision or a gun or like 22 suppressor. I can't tell you how many chickens I've saved with that 22 suppressor shooting, shooting coons or, you know, uh, uh, um, wild dogs or something trying to get into my coop or trying to eat one of my chickens when I used to free range. Um, that was some really good insurance. And, and I think looking at it in that term, again, not justifying reckless spending, um, mm-hmm. but I think looking at it in those terms of, Hey, these aren't just insurance for me. These are insurance for my family and those people around me. And I agree. I agree entirely with the community thing. Cause like great example, it got some, you know, with the truck and some other things going on in my life right now, you know, Memorial day weekend, which is like a hard weekend. I, I didn't have time. I didn't cook out. I couldn't go hang out with friends. And one of my neighbors who had worked, he's a few years younger than I am, single guy. He had worked during the tornado with me. He texts me. He goes, hey, man, I know this is really random, but like my girlfriend came over, made all this food, and I grilled a bunch of burgers, et cetera. Uh, stopped by the house and hang out for a little bit. And that, that, that's so minor. But for me, this last weekend or two weekends ago, that was a really big deal. That meant a lot to me. And, and I've noticed that in my entire neighborhood. You, people walk up and down the street and they now talk to each other and they're, not, they're now so much more friendly and everybody knows whose dogs is whose. And yeah. um, it's just this new feeling of community. And, and I know it'll fade. It always does. Um, it's America. We get distracted by our pocket screens. But the reality is that kind of community is, is what we need and it's authentic. And and I know for me, like I found community in a lot of places, but ultimately I know Jonah with 100 Concepts had talked about this a little bit. I think he name dropped me the last time he was on here. Jerk. Um, I'm sure he did. Yeah. But he, uh, one of the things he and I both talked about is the best community we found has been in our, in our local church. Um, it's where I find all these guys that are like-minded. These girls are like-minded. These cool people. They're just fun to hang out with, et cetera. Um, I'm super blessed and I'm super thankful because that's where I found people who are into this stuff and who are genuine and who, and who live it and believe in it. And I can't tell you the number of times those people have come to my aid or to other people's aid. And I just, again, I know some of my friends are going to listen to this and they're going to roll their eyes like, dear Lord, it's Trey talking about community again. But you know what? A lot of them haven't been rolled their eyes in the last couple of months because they've seen the value of, of, and again, as a guy, I'm just going to speak to guys of a bunch of really well-rounded guys coming together and doing some cool stuff. And again, we did some really cool stuff and I get to wake up every day and I get to look out my front window and I get to drive down my street to work. And I'm proud of what we did. And I'm proud of the people that we help. And I'm proud because that's not me that did that. As a believer, I ultimately believe the Lord did all that, but he did it through us. And he did it through all these other incredible guys that were just like, hey, I'm going to abandon everything I had planned. All financial resources, oh man, the, number, the amount of money some of these guys spent, et cetera, to come out here and to help other people they didn't even know. And it's just really, really cool to see. And it's been very invigorating for me. And I want other people to have that same kind of community as well. No, 100%, man. It's It's a powerful message. Hopefully, I, I I hope people hear it. You know, I hope they listen to this. And you know, again, <clears throat> the 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 possibility of what of exactly what you said happening here in Michigan is pretty low. We're probably not going to deal with a tornado. However, we deal with a whole lot of other stupid ass problems here with 
you know, uh, anytime we have wind storms because, and I, I have no idea what it's like in, in Arkansas, but like all of our power lines are up on poles above ground. We don't bury anything. Dumbass yeah. reason. Um, over the winter, we had three different instances in about a four week period where we had 60,000 plus people, uh, lose power. My parents, uh, who are, uh, you know, they're, they're in their mid sixties now and, uh, they, they lost power for eight days. <clears throat> and then after wow. day two, the generator quit. So, um, at that point, because they thought their generator was okay, right. They didn't go buy one and all the stores were sold out. My dad had to drive over an hour to find a store and then go spend $900 that he wasn't planning on spending, obviously to get another generator so that they could run, you know, basically just the refrigerator. Um, you know, and I had to like, you know, try and get my mom over the house. Hey, come sit over here. You know, I know you don't got a whole lot going on today, but like I'm working from home. Just, just come say, you can watch TV, do whatever you want, but at least like it's going to be 72 in here versus 56, you know, in your house. Uh, we have issues with flooding here for infrastructure issues, you know, drains and things like that. We have flooding problems all over Southeast Michigan. Um, and when we get these bad storms, uh, you know, that's, it doesn't have to be exactly what you said, right? I mean, th- these kind of things happen. Um, so it's a it's a a message that I, you know, I hope people hear and think about. If nothing else, I hope that it spurs thought, you know, and gets people thinking about this. And I I, I really do appreciate you taking the time to to sit down with me and and share the story, you know. And I know there's there's so much more to it. I I hope in you know the future here we can sit down and do this again soon and kind of get into more of that. Um, because it, there is so much to unpack, not just in the story of what happened, but like the concepts behind disaster relief, what you can do to be a bit, you know, in that regard, to be a better part of your community. Um, but but thank you, man. I this has been awesome. I I, I loved it. You know, I know it wasn't always the most like fun of topics, but I mean, it's it's good. It was, it was really good talking. No, thank you. I enjoyed it. I uh, always appreciate folks that uh, actually care to talk to me about yeah. my unbelievably random life. Um, yeah. Every day is something new or interesting. Um, I will tell folks, you're always welcome to reach out to me on Instagram. That's kind of my primary social media channel. Um, always welcome to reach out to me if you got questions. Um, you know, some of the plant stuff, I'll answer some limited questions, some stuff I have to charge for some stuff. Honestly, I just might have time for, um, I stay booked out months, which super blessed. I say busy, but on the community stuff, man, I'm always, I'm always down to help. That's something I'm passionate about. I'm, I'm willing to give you resources, so on and so forth, point you to other guys on Instagram that are doing this the right way and that are great at community building as well. Um, I think this podcast is a big part of that too, bringing in, Unique and different guests, not a bunch of pipe hitters, but a bunch of guys from all over the sphere that do all kinds of really cool stuff. And I just, I really appreciate you doing this, having me on and, and look forward to chatting again soon. Yeah, absolutely, man. And thank you. Appreciate that. Um, and I, and I look forward to it, you know, uh, always looking to connect with, with, uh, solid folks that can share some good information. So I look forward to that and, uh, we'll, we'll definitely be in touch. So thank you once again. And uh until next time sir get out there and uh you know stay safe will do so another just you know banger of a discussion honestly really great conversation with trey um talking about some community you know and and as easy as it is to just sum that up and say you know hey don't be a shit human or just be a, be a good person uh, we it's still something we need to talk more about, uh, you can, you can say that in reference to 
the two-way community, right? You can say that in, in the training community, we need to be better to each other. Uh, but obviously we need to be better to each other, you know, in the world in general. So hearing, um, especially hearing about what he worked through and what he helped people get through during that, uh, you know, state of emergency, that tornado and the devastation and the, how it derails people's life and how utterly, I mean, borderline helpless you are in those kinds of circumstances, um, to know that there are people who make it their, their interest in life, their goal in life, right? To just be a better caliber of human. And that there are ways where if you're somebody that wants to, you know, uh, be that person, you want to help your fellow man, you want to develop these uh, networks and have these communication systems and things like that all in place. I mean, it's just something we need to do more of as a community and certainly something I honestly look forward to bringing Trey back on and talking with him um, you know, I know we had at the very beginning there, we had a couple audio hiccups, you know, just internet being internet, but, uh, absolutely an outstanding discussion. Like some of these I finish and I'm like, okay, you know, there's a really good chat and we learned some stuff and it was good. And then sometimes I walk away from some of these calls and I'm actually just blown away by the caliber of human that I get to interact with and, and, and build a relationship with. And, and certainly Trey fits into, into, in the latter category there. So that was really cool. We were able to, you know, chat offline. And, um, like I said, I look forward to being able to bring him back on talking about, I mean, we got into so many things, but I would really love to spend more time getting into the search and rescue experience and, uh, you know, disaster relief experiences that he has. And cause I know there are people that have those questions. This is, a, I don't want to say that it's a great way to justify learning these skills, but is a great use of those skills where you can practically apply them to help your fellow man. And you know, maybe, you know, it's not running around with a, an AR or, you know, screwing around with your night vision, you know, gooning with your boys, but Hey, you can, put your night vision to valuable use. You can justify these skills and communication sets in a practical way and say, Hey, when things go really wrong here and even up here in Michigan, you know, I remember when I was in high school and the, I think it was the Niagara Falls power plant went out, we were all without power, you know, um, and, and things for three or four days. Uh, we've had mass flooding here. We've had, you know, wind storms and ice storms here, even in Michigan where, we have to go without. And sometimes there's varying degrees of going without. Sometimes the phones are down and, and the power's down. Sometimes it's flooding. Sometimes it's just minor inconveniences. But, you know, it really puts into a different light and a different perspective how you can help in those kinds of situations and scenarios to make things just a little bit better. So cannot say enough like how cool that was and, and how much I'm looking forward to my next discussion with Trey. I hope you guys learned some stuff. Um, I hope, you know, if you're one of those people that's that's thinking about getting chickens and growing a garden and you want to start being more self-sustaining, I think that's awesome. I think it's a big step for a lot of people, myself included, that you know, it's a big undertaking in a lot of, in a lot of cases, you know, we are limited by uh, city ordinances. We're limited by how much real estate we have. Maybe you live in a condo or an apartment and you don't have access to that. So you can't do those things. But I know there's, there's a lot of people that want to take that step or interested in learning more about taking that step so that maybe that's, maybe that's the gateway, right? To bringing in your, your spouse, right? Your wife into this prepared lifestyle is through gardening and homesteading. And I know there's even more we can get into with Trey on, on all of that. And, you know, I look forward to those discussions and I hope you guys are, 
learning from this and hopefully this answers some questions or maybe even motivates you to go further or reach out to Trey directly and and pick his brain, you know, get some help from him uh, to, to, to take those next steps to, to help yourself out, whether it's like we, you know, we're saying starting with a small garden or, you know, starting with some chickens or maybe you already have that and you're, you know, you're just curious about how to do a little bit more, how to scale a little bit more um, and take those next steps. So I thought it was an absolutely just outstanding discussion. Really, really enjoyed it. I hope you guys did too. Uh, appreciate you guys all hanging out, checking out the podcast as always. Uh, if you're looking for ways to support us, you want to know how we can do more to get guests like Trey on, you guys reach out to me on, on social media. If there's somebody that, you know, you think that we should be sitting down and talking with that we haven't yet, man, shoot me a message, shoot me an email. Our information's all out there. You can follow us on Instagram at prepared, uh, you know, mindset pod. Um, we're on Facebook. Uh, we got, uh, Gmail, right. Um, send us an email, send us an instant message, whatever, you know, whatever you got to do, but let us know. We're more than happy to do it. And, um, if you'd still like to, to support us, uh, again, we have a Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash prepared underscore mindset underscore pod. And that all goes a long way to helping offset the costs that we incur month to month to just to run the operation, let alone be able to enhance anything we're doing here. So, um, but, but certainly, you know, appreciate you guys and all of your support. I really do hope that you guys enjoy what we're doing here. And uh, I'm definitely looking forward to the rest of 2023 and got some, some really good stuff planned and some really cool guests lined up. But until next week, folks, that's all that I have for you. Until then, you guys get out there, work hard, train smarter, and be prepared. 